uh, for the first time I found myself not pumped up to preach Christmas. And I think the reason for that is I, I've been at City Church now since 2005, and so for many of those years I was doing youth ministry, um, and I've done a Christmas season, I guess this is my 12th year doing a Christmas series, and some of those years I did too, one on Sundays and one on Wednesdays, and so I think I finally just kind of hit a point where I had a little bit of Christmas preaching fatigue. I don't know if you guys have ever had Christmas fatigue, where you're just kind of like, yeah, I'm just tired of it, I'm not excited for it. Um, I'm not excited, I'm not fatigued on Christmas, but I was fatigued on preaching Christmas, and I love Christmas, and so if I'm fatigued on preaching Christmas, I know some of you here hate Christmas. Some of you are not Christmas nerds. Some of you don't get excited for it, and and that's my fault because I asked God to help us to reach people who are far from him, and so that's why we've got people who hate Christmas. I get that. We're working on it. Just kidding. But, uh, but seriously, I know if, if, if there are those here who aren't as excited for Christmas as I am, maybe you're a little burnout, maybe a little bit fatigued about hearing the, the message, the story of Christmas, preaching on Christmas. So what we're going to do this year is we're going to go a little bit different route. For your sake, for my sake, um, these three Sundays leading up to Christmas, we're going to do this series called Times and Seasons. And it is absolutely going to relate to what we're going through. As, as we go into to this Christmas time, it's absolutely going to be applicable in this season. And, and if you love Christmas, you're going to get a lot out of this that, that relates to what this time of year is. But, but regardless, um, this is a series we could do literally any time of year. Because what we're going to do is, is we're going to look at how in the middle of, of celebration, in the middle of joy, in the middle of looking forward to gifts under the tree or whatever it is that we're looking forward to, or in the middle of sorrow, in the middle of disappointment, in the middle of struggle, and whatever season of life you happen to be in, and some of us may even be in both of those, uh, positive and negative right now, in different ways, and different aspects of life. But whatever season you're in, we're going to discover that we can find that God is at work in our season. How we can look and see his presence and his faithfulness in the middle of the time that we are going through. Uh, you just saw this video that kind of went through this famous passage from Ecclesiastes, that there is a time and a season for everything. It's a very famous song from the 60s, right? It was set to music, and we got kind of this, this hippie version of it. But, but it comes from the Bible. It comes from King Solomon, who says that there is a time and a season for everything. And just a couple of verses after that, it ends in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 8. Just a couple of verses after what we saw in the video. In verse 11 of Ecclesiastes 3, it says this. It says, he, he being God, has made everything. Everybody say everything. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. That that, that God has made everything beautiful in its time. He's even set eternity in our hearts, but even though eternity is in our hearts, in other words, every one of us is born with a sense, with an understanding that there's something greater out there, that there is an eternal life, that there is something beyond the grave, but we can't comprehend it. We can't comprehend all that God has done and how he began and and any of those things. They're far beyond our understanding, but Solomon, who wrote this, is is known as the, the wisest man who ever lived. God gave him some revelation that he hasn't given Really anyone, but, but even though he was probably smarter than us, we do have some advantages that Solomon didn't have. We have later revelation that God gave to others that was written down for us. And so if, in Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says this, which I think will, will connect very well for us. It says, he, he being God again, made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, 
which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. So, so Ecclesiastes is about how so often it's difficult to perceive God's purpose in our lives. I don't know about you. There have been seasons where I've had difficulty seeing what God was up to. There have been times in my life where it's hard to recognize, what is God trying to teach me right now? What is God trying to do right now? And then Paul comes a little bit later on, and he says that, that now that Christ has been born and, and he was killed and, and raised again to life for our sins to, to make it possible for us to be restored to relationship with God, we can know the, that the purpose of God in every season of life is to bring everything under Christ in heaven and on earth. So, so what God is doing in your life, he is working to bring that other area of your life under Christ. He's working to bring your, your job under Christ. He's working to bring your marriage under Christ. He's working to bring this aspect or that aspect under Christ. That's always his purpose. And when we can recognize his purpose, we can experience things a lot smoother. When, when we can see this is what God is working towards, we, we can enjoy what we're going through many times much better. Times and seasons, seasons and times. One more scripture for you as we set this series up. Daniel prayed one time in, in Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 20. And we'll actually pick it up in verse 19, but the prayer starts in 20. It says, Then Daniel praised God, the God of heaven, and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He makes this great declaration. But then he goes on and he gives us actually the title for our series. He says, He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. So, so to combine these kind of three separate thoughts that were written by three different individuals, but, but inspired by the same Holy Spirit, we can put all this stuff together and, and, and we discover this, that, that God sets eternity in our hearts, yet no one can fathom what he's up to from beginning to end, that, that your destiny was actually created in eternity, it was created before time, but your life is actually experienced in seasons. It means everything God wanted to do in your life, he knew before the beginning of time. Everything he wanted to teach you, everything he wanted to show you, everything he wanted to reveal to you, God knew that before the beginning of time, before you were ever a, a speck or a thought in your parents' life, God knew everything he wanted to reveal to you, but he doesn't reveal it all in once, right? He doesn't download it all to us at once. He reveals things to us in seasons. We experience new parts of him in new seasons. He gives us little by little as we go along. Last year, we, we did a series called cow tipping, and we looked at kind of these famous uh, statements that many Christians believe that are kind of sacred cows that, that the Bible doesn't necessarily teach. And one of those that we looked at is this statement that, that everything happens for a reason. And, and people say that usually pretty much saying that God is causing whatever you're going through in life. God's, God knows what he's doing. And, and I don't fully embrace that thought. I think, yes, everything happens for a reason, but some things are initiated by God. Some things are initiated by the enemy, and some things are initiated by our own selfishness, our own sinfulness by, by man. So we don't fully embrace the statement that everything happens for a reason, but I can tell you this, everything happens in a season. In fact, that's our first point today. I've got four points for you on this idea of seasons. And so everything happens in a season. Everything God wants for you, everything God's going to teach you, everything that God's going to take you to and take you through, he's appointed a specific season of life for that to happen. Everything happens in a season, so, so let me in on a little secret, let me let you in on a little secret, that, that God schedules every season in your life, but he doesn't usually show us the calendar, right? 
God schedules every season in life, but he doesn't usually reveal to us, here's when you're going to transition from this season into this season. Here's what you're going to go through, and it's going to be really hard, but I promise when you get to the end, it's all going to make sense. He doesn't do that. It's not like your workplace where, where somewhere at your workplace there's a, I don't know, maybe, maybe your workplace didn't even like this. When I worked at Taco Bell, it was like this. There was a schedule, and you would have to go in and look on the wall every day and see what, to, what, what am I, or every week, what's my schedule this week? When am I supposed to be there? When do I get off? What does it look like? God doesn't schedule like that. He doesn't have a wall where all you got to do is show up and, oh, that's, what, that's what's going on this season. That's how long I'm going to be at this workplace. That's how this relationship is going to work. He doesn't give us that information, and it presents to us one of the great challenges, I believe, in life. It is many times we don't realize what God's really up to. Many times we don't recognize that it really is God at work or that God truly is at work in our lives. And, and here's the big problem for me. Maybe you experience this. Maybe you can identify with this. Maybe you can't. I'm always ready for the next season. Right? Like, I'm always looking forward to next year. I'm always looking forward to the next thing that God has in store for me. And many times I get so focused on that that I miss out on what God's doing right now. I I struggle because in whatever season I'm in, it doesn't seem like that season is the most comfortable, the most enjoyable, or the most pleasurable from the longest time, from the time I was like 15 years old until I came here when I was 24. I wanted to be a youth pastor. I had that call on my life. I had that vision for my life for, for nine years. That was all that I worked towards. That was all that I did. I went, picked my college based on that. I did an internship based on that. I, I lined up my relationships based on that. Everything was, was with this goal that God had called me into youth ministry. And I came here, and it was awesome, and I loved it for a few years. And then I kind of got to a place where God started to stir in me, and I, and I felt, you know what, man? I'm going to be a pastor and so my, my, my heart began to shift, and I began looking forward to that next season and preparing for that next season, and, and then I became a pastor, right? And I was so excited for it, and, and actually we didn't have the, the money to, to hire another youth pastor, so I was pastor and youth pastor. And so I loved that because I got to still do what I love with the students, but it reached a point where it was like, man, this church really needs to hire a youth pastor. And I started looking forward to one day we're going to have the budget to bring on a youth pastor. And one day I'm going to be able to give that away because the kids deserve better and my wife deserves better and everybody deserves better. Like, because it's not the best season for me to be doing both. And and then we were able to hire a part-time youth pastor. And I was like, man, I can't wait till we can hire a full-time youth pastor, you know, and they can give everything. And we're always looking forward to the next thing, right? And many times in looking forward to the next thing, we miss out on what's going on now. Maybe here's one you can relate to better. As a teenager, it was, if I can ever get my driver's license. Man, when I get my license, everything's going to change. It's a game changer, baby. Man, when, when I get my license, it's freedom. It's independence. It's William Wallace screaming freedom, right? Like, you get that license, everything changes, and you look forward to that. And then I got my driver's license, and I realized something. I had my license, but I didn't have a car. Can't do a whole lot with a license but no ride, right? Like, I got, I got to the place I wanted to be, but I didn't have what I wanted to have. It wasn't as great as I had always looked forward to. And then, and, and then I finally got my own car, and I actually had a, a pretty nice-looking car, and, and it was great, except it wasn't very reliable. And, it, and my transmission went out three times in four years, and it was constantly blowing tires. And, man, it looked good when it ran. And so then I was like, man, I just want a reliable car. Can I just get some reliable transportation? And so God provided for me some reliable transportation, but it wasn't pretty. And so then I was like, man, I want, I want some reliable, pretty transportation, right? And, and then I got to a point where it's like, man, I just want a truck. 
man, if I could just get a truck, man, I, I will, everything will be great. And God bless me, I finally got a truck, and I got a great deal on a truck. And now I got two kids, and sometimes I got to take both kids somewhere with me. And we got three seats in my truck, and I got both kids in there. And Judah's car seat is, like, all up on me, like, right in my grill. Like, like I can't get away from it. I can't lean far enough to the window to get away from it. And so now I'm like, man, God, I can't wait till you bless us with the SUV. It's going to be awesome when I get an SUV, right? And so we're always looking forward to the next season instead of celebrating that God's brought us to the season that we're in. And I know you can identify with this on some level. I know it's not just me. Here's what I've discovered. Every season has struggles that you can't see from the outside looking in. Right? Like when you look at that season from the outside, it seems like everything you wanted. But when you actually arrive in that season, you realize there's some struggles here that I had no idea were going to exist. I I believe that God wants to work on our hearts today because what what God wants to do is to set you free from trying to live in somebody else's season. So you can actually live in the season God's ordained for your life and the season God's set in your life. Maybe you don't want to admit it. But I believe there's probably a part of you that, that looks longingly at other people. There's a part of you that, that looks at somebody else's time, at somebody else's season, and says, man, they've got it all. Man, they've got it great. Man, if I could just have that income level. Man, if I could just have that marriage. If I could just have that house. Man, if I could just have that personality. Like we look at their season, we look at what they have, and it's like, man, if I could only have that. But, but let me tell you a little spiritual secret about seasons. Every season has a struggle that you can't see until you're in it. Hopefully today this will set you free from, from some envy, from some jealousy. It's going to set you free, I hope, from wanting to copy someone else's circumstances. Every, everybody say seasons. Everybody say struggles. Now, now write down point number two. First point is that, that everything happens in a season. The second point is there's a season, or excuse me, there's a struggle in every season. There's a struggle in every season. We have to remember that. And whatever season you're in, it presents a unique struggle or perhaps unique struggles in that season. Some seasons, maybe the struggle is more evident and and more vocal and and more, more of a struggle than others, but there's always a struggle in every season. The problem is that when we look at other people's lives, we, we only see how high the tree goes, but we have no idea how deep the roots had to grow to get there, right? Like, like we don't know what it took for them to be there. We don't know what it takes for them right now as they go through it. We, we only see the fruit of what somebody else has, but we don't see the fight that they went through to get the fruit. Yesterday, we were running some errands, and uh, we were eating at this little pizza place called Milano's, and uh, sitting there with our kids and and this kind old man comes up and I don't know if you guys experience this but our our babies are people magnets like wherever we go they make friends wherever they go people want to come up and start talking to them and telling us stuff about them and it's awesome I love it I'm a people person so I enjoy this And, and so this this kind old man starts talking to us about Alexa and he's like man she's so beautiful and then he's like man she looks just like her mom and I'm like hold up hold up, that's my wife, uh, you know, I'm like, wait, wait just a minute, but, but he's being nice, and he's trying to be complimentary, and he's, he's being sweet, um, and, and then he does, he starts talking about Judah for a minute, and then he does what, what everyone, it seems like, who's in a further along season in life does to young parents, he says, man, it goes by so fast, it goes by so fast, and can I tell you, in the, in the two years, and however many months 
that I've been a parent, how many times I've heard it goes by so fast. Like, like at some point in time, you get a little bit annoyed. It's like, yeah, the word is out. Thank you. I got the memo. I know it goes quick. And like, like everybody wants to tell, oh, man, enjoy it. Savor it. It goes so fast. You blink and they're going to be gone. You blink and she's going to be dating. And I'm like, shut up. I ain't blinking, okay? Like, let me just enjoy the season, right? But, but in parenting, you're kind of always looking forward to the next season, right? Like, like if you've experienced parenting or been around even a, a younger kid, you've probably experienced some of this. Like, I, I was like, man, I can't wait until Judah gets to start eating solid foods. It's going to be so cool when he takes that step. And little did I know that when he started eating solid foods, there was going to be some other stuff that came out the other side that was a little different, like, like, it was going to be nasty. I had no idea the transition that would take place when he started eating solid foods. And as I, I, I can't wait until Judah can walk. Man, it's going to be so cool when he takes his first step. And now he can walk. And I'm like, man, I wish you couldn't walk. Man, I can't keep up with you. You're tearing up the house. You're into everything. Man, it was so great when you couldn't move, when you just sat there and looked pretty. Man, that was awesome. Right? Like, every season has a unique struggle. My, my, my wife blew my mind. As we were driving back from Pennsylvania last week for Thanksgiving, hopefully you guys had a great Thanksgiving, but we're coming back and we're talking about this future road trip that we want to take, and, and it's not going to be for a couple of years. And I was like, man, it's going to be awesome because the kids are going to be body trained. Man, we're not going to have to change diapers on the road. It's going to be so great. And she blew my mind. She said, well, you know the trip's going to take longer then. I was like, what are you talking about? She said, we're going to have to stop every time they got to pee. I've been a parent for, for over two years, and the whole time, I've been looking forward to them getting potty trained. And now I find out that there's a struggle in the next season, right? There's a problem around the corner. This whole time, I had no idea what a blessing it is that they can pee all over themselves. No clue. There's a struggle in every season, and most of the time, you don't get the, the revelation ahead of time. My wife's a little smarter than I am. My whole life, I, I, I've wanted to have a white Christmas. It's always been something that I've, I've, I've wanted, man. And you watch these Christmas movies. Yesterday, we were putting uh, decorations on the tree, and, and we got Home Alone playing. And, and, you know, Home Alone ends in this climactic scene where the mom finally makes it home, and Kevin steps outside on Christmas morning, and there's this, this blanket of fresh fallen snow. In fact, the snow's still coming down, and every Christmas movie ends this way. There is never a Christmas without snow on television, on a movie. Never had a white Christmas. I've always been jealous of people who have white Christmases. I have family in Montana and North Dakota, and they don't have white Christmases. They have, like, seven white months. Like, it's just snow from, from, like, November to May the whole time. And I'm like, man, how cool is it? You get a white Christmas every year. And they're like, yeah, how cool is it that you don't have to shovel two feet of snow? How cool is it that you never had to tunnel out your front door just to get to your car? Right? Like, there's a struggle in every season. Sometimes you don't realize the struggle because you don't live there. I went to school with some people from Florida, from, from South Florida, and, and I remember talking with them, and like, man, it's got to be awesome living down there. Man, it's hot all the time. You can go to the beach anytime, and they're like, man, it's kind of nice being up here in North Georgia and having seasons. Like, what? What are they, nothing nice about this cold, rainy fall? What do you mean? But, but you don't recognize, you don't realize the challenge of living somewhere until you live there. We don't. God wants to set us free from this continued straining and striving to live in somebody else's season. Because even if you could live in their season, it's not your calling. 
and it wouldn't be the same if you lived there. Touch your neighbor and tell them you can't have my season. There's a struggle in every season. Let, let, let me tell you something about that person you look at and you see, man, they're in a winning season right now. Everything is going right for them. They're probably playing hurt. Let me tell you something about people who are, who are in winning seasons. They, they go through pressure that you can't even imagine. Let me tell you something about the person that you want to be. There's some stuff that you can't see that, that makes them be who you want to be, but it's not the stuff that you want. It's stuff that's hidden. It's stuff you don't recognize. I'll prove it to you. There, there was a day in time where those of us who are old enough and, and had been blessed in life to, to be married, there was a day in time where you said, man, I can't wait until I'm married. Right? We, we all look forward to marriage, and marriage is a great blessing. But, but you get married, and guess what you find out? There's still struggles in marriage. Life ain't perfect when you're married. There, there, there's still challenges in marriage. Why? Because you're there. Right? Like, it ain't perfect because you ain't perfect. And you came into the marriage, and you brought a whole lot of stuff with you. And, and, and so there's a struggle in whatever new season that we get to. That's why Solomon talks all through the book of, of Ecclesiastes. He said, I've tried wealth. But it, but it wasn't enough. I've tried pleasure, but, but I hated the hangover. I've tried knowledge, but the, you can never read every book that there is out there. You can't access all the information. It's going to drive you mad. There's a struggle in every season. Let me put it in one last context before we move on to our next point. Um, if we think about the sports world, I grew up a baseball fan. And so currently, Barry Bonds has the record for the most home runs in a season. And, and there's, there's kind of a an implied asterisk on that uh, because he, he pretty publicly used steroids and kind of cheated his way to, to holding the record. But before Barry Bonds held the record, another man held the record named Roger Maris. And Roger Maris in the 1961 hit 61 home runs. And that set the record. He broke Babe Ruth's record of 60 home runs, which Babe had set in 1927. So for 44 years, Babe Ruth had the record. And, and so if you went to the baseball record books, you found it said Roger Maris, single-season home run record, 61, asterisk. Why was there the asterisk there? Be, because Roger Maris hit his 61 home runs in a 162-game season. Babe Ruth hit his 60 home runs in a 154-game season. And, and so the powers that be in baseball felt like, you know what, we're not going to honor Roger Maris just as the record holder. We want to make sure everybody knows that Babe hit 60 home runs faster. Than Roger did. And so you can imagine Roger Maris as a kid, maybe grew up a Yankee fan, maybe probably almost surely grew up a baseball fan. Maybe one day I can break Babe's record. Maybe one day I could be the one to hit more home runs than anybody. And he finally does. He hits 61 home runs and he gets to that place he's always wanted to be. He lives his dream and somebody comes around and puts an asterisk on his dream. Nope. He didn't grow up saying, man, I hope I can hit 60 home, 61 home runs in 154 games. He said, I hope I can hit 61 home runs in a season. That's all that he was shooting for, but, but somebody had to say, nope, it's, it's not quite good enough. It's not quite where you want to be. And so uh, I want you to see that there, there's always an asterisk. And anything that you see somebody else has that you want, there's always an asterisk. There's always a footnote. There's always something that they went through or something that happened that means it's not quite as great as it looks like on the outside. Sometimes we, we feel like we should be further along in the season that we're in, but what we don't know is, is the person who may seem further along in the race than us might be losing their kids, their marriage, their job, their health in order to get there. Just because they seem further ahead doesn't mean they really are further ahead in life. You got to take pride in the progress and the purpose of your season 
and say, as I stand right now, this season has a purpose, even though there's a struggle in my season. Touch the person next to you again and say, I don't want to be you. Isn't that liberating? Isn't that freeing? You know, I don't want to be you. It's great. I, 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 I don't know what you had to experience. I don't know what you had to go through. I don't know what devils you had to fight to get where you want to be. Because to everything and to everyone, there is a season. And before time began, God ordained the season that you're in right now. With all of his greatness and all of his struggle, God ordained the season that you're in right now. I may not have what, what they have. I may not be where they are, but that's all right because I'm not called to do what they're called to do. I'm not called to be who they're called to be, and I'm not trying to be who they are. I'm going to celebrate my season. I'm going to recognize God's work in my season, what he's up to in my life. I'm going to take the time that I have left in this season, however much longer it is, with the gifts that God has placed inside of me, and I'm going to rejoice in my season. I'm going to bear fruit in my season in Jesus' name. Amen? That's the mentality we have to have. It's my season. Nobody else can live your season. So number one, everything happens in a season. Number two, there's a struggle in every season. Number three, every season is shaped by what you say. Every season is shaped by what you say. Last week, Travis Buckner brought the word for you, and I'm so proud of Travis and so excited that he got to share. And, and he talked about this, this idea of who do you say God is? Who do you say Jesus is? That, that, that who you say he is is going to determine who he actually is in your life. It's going to determine how much room you give him to move in your life. Is, well, who do you say that God is? And I think that's, that's man, uh, fundamental. It, it, so much of it really starts there with who do we say that God is, but tangential off of that, and we didn't even connect this or plan this, but I, I think that God did. God knew the time and the season. Tangential to that, not only is it going to be who do you say God is, but your season is really going to be who you, the way you say it is. How do you label it? It's going to determine how you go through it. It's going to determine how you experience it. Daniel says God changes times and season, and, and there are se- certain seasons in life that only God can bring you through, that only God can, can press that button and advance you from this season into the next. But there are also seasons in life, and, and we're going to discover this later on in this series, God willing. Uh, we're going to use the children of Israel to do it, but we're going to discover that there are seasons in life that, that we're not getting through because of our disobedience. The, the children of Israel wandered around the, the, the desert for 40 years on what was supposed to be a walk to paradise, turned into the road trip from hell. Man, we, we had an 18-hour drive last week. It was supposed to be 15 hours, and I about lost my mind because we lost three hours, right? Like, it was difficult. Can you imagine losing 40 years on a road trip? Can you imagine 40 years of your life gone because of your disobedience? Sometimes we can't move from one season into the next because we're being disobedient, and we're going to discover that. But, but other times, only God can turn the page for us. Other times, it's not our disobedience. It's just it's the season that we're in, and God's keep teaching us something and doing something, and you're only going to leave it when God decides you're going to leave it. Is there anybody here who's in complete control of your own calendar? You don't have anybody else who has control of it. You don't have a boss that has control of it, a spouse that has control of it. Man, you, you a parent, a teacher, a professor, like you, you can control your own calendar. No hands up, Right? I don't care how independent you are. I don't care if you start your own business. I don't care if you live on your own. You're a bachelor. Somebody else has something to say about where you're going to be and what you're going to do, right? None of us have complete control over our own calendar. So here's the encouragement. Although I can't control always what's on my calendar, I can always choose 
what I say about what's on my calendar. I can't always control about what's on my calendar. I can't always control everything on my schedule, but I can choose what I say about it. Ecclesiastes 3.11, Solomon said, He, God, has made everything beautiful in his time. What really separates people who have faith to sense God's purpose in their life from those who kind of just go through life aimlessly, I believe, is what they choose to call the season that they're in. What do you say about it? What's your attitude about it? I want to ask you a question. I don't want you to answer this one out loud. This is not the touch your neighbor portion of our service. Answer this one internally. But I want to ask you this. What are you saying about your current season? What are you speaking out about the season that God has you in right now? Because the fact is what you say about your season determines how you will experience the season. I don't have time to to go too in-depth on this to prove it to you, but, but James says that the tongue is the rudder of the ship. It's gonna, it's, the tongue is going to control my direction. Proverbs says that, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And I think that so much of what we experience is really shaped about how we speak about it. So if you choose to call your season beautiful, it will become beautiful in your eyes. may not actually change your circumstances. may not actually change anything that's happening. But if you'll choose to say, you know what, I'm in a beautiful season right now. God's up to something. And I may not even know everything that he's up to, but I know he's up to something, and I know it's something good. I know it's something for my good. I know it's something that's shaping me into who I'm called to be. And so this season is beautiful. It's going to change so much of what you experience and how you perceive what you go through. Church work, pastoral work can be unique in some ways and very similar to your life probably in other ways. But one way that I think is somewhat unique is it's highly seasonal. Uh, there are seasons where there is so much to do, man. Coming up to Easter, it's a busy, crazy, hectic season. Doing a, a camp experience or a mission trip experience is, is extremely hectic and extremely busy, and there's so much going on. Christmas, as much as I love it, can be a very hectic season in, in ministry work. And thankfully, I learned very early on when, when I was interning at Church on the Move, they taught us the value of, of speaking well about our season. Uh, one of the things that we did that, that I remember pretty strongly is we used to put on conferences called Elevate. It was youth, conferences for youth leaders. It was, at that point in time, the largest youth ministry in North America, probably still is. Um, and, and people would come in all over, from all over the U.S. and really all over the world to be trained on how to reach teenagers. How do, how do we do youth ministry? And, and here I am interning, and, and we're getting ready to have our first Elevate. And they, and they sat down, and they told us ahead of time, they said, look, it's going to be hard. You're going to work 80 hours next week. You're going to be here at 7 in the morning. You're going to leave at 11 at night, and you're going to get back and do it all over again the next day. You're going to meet hundreds of people. It's going to be a blur. You're going to be hustling from the time you get here to the time you go home. You're not going to get enough sleep. It's going to be difficult. And so you need to train yourself now how you're going to speak about this season. Because if you come in every morning and you're mad because you didn't get enough sleep and you're mad because you didn't, you didn't get to go home early enough last night or you missed out on this or you missed out on that, you're going to miss an amazing experience. Because God is bringing men and women from all over the country and putting them at your doorstep. And you get to speak into their life. You get to bless their ministry. You get to sow seed into what God is doing in cities all over the country. Very, very few people get this opportunity. And one day you won't have it. One day you won't be here and you won't be doing this. And you'll look back on it and be like, man, I wish I could work elevated again. So how you speak about your season is going to determine how you embrace your season, how you enjoy your season, how you go through that season. It's such a valuable, such a critical 
thing for us to understand. And we actually, the church did other conferences. We had a dream conference for children's workers and, and all these other conferences. And conference season was crazy. It was always in the spring. And you knew going into the spring, man, you better just buckle up because it's going to be intense. And, and maybe you're in one of those busy, hectic seasons of life right now. Man, we're all going into a busy, hectic season called Christmas, right? We're all going into an expensive season called Christmas. And, and, and how we speak about the season is going to have a whole lot to do with how we enjoy the season. How we speak about the season is going to have a whole lot to do with what we see God doing in the midst of our season. I encourage you, I challenge you to embrace speaking well about the season, to, to begin to train yourself. You know what? I do believe there's life. In my tongue, there's power in my tongue. Not that everything I say is going to magically make something happen, but it is going to affect the way I perceive it. It's going to affect what I see. And as God is going to reveal new things to me because I'm speaking well about the season in my life. Uh, Yesterday, not yesterday, Friday I had lunch uh, with Jimmy Folt. And you guys know Jimmy, if you know Jimmy, man, Jimmy's like the most positive, upbeat person you can find and and so sometimes and Jimmy probably don't even know this sometimes I try to find a way to get Jimmy to talk negative just like man so what's going man I know that must have been really hard that must have been really challenging and you can't man Jimmy he's, he's a steel trap now maybe Donna can she probably sees a different side of Jimmy than I see uh but but Jimmy dude like like he is strong he's always speaking positive, always pumped up about what God's doing and, and what's happening, what did happen and what's going to happen. And, and he's got that, just that, that mentality that I'm going to go through life and I'm going to believe good things are going to happen to me. And I think good things happen to him because he believes good things are going to happen to him. And I, I believe that that, that, that mentality, that, that positive attitude, that faith and trust that God is up to something, I believe that that pays off greatly for him. And I, I want to be more like that. I need to be more like that. Myself, um, how often do we, do we say things like this, man, when, when we can just get the kids out of the house, right? And, and at one point in time, we, man, I hope we can just get pregnant. And you're believing God and trusting God to have that opportunity to have something birthed inside you. And now you're looking, man, I can't wait to get rid of this thing that I prayed for, this thing that God provided for for me. And there's a season to celebrate your kids being out of the house. But while they're in the house, celebrate that season. Embrace that season. Everything is beautiful in its time. Did you know that God's given you the power to label your life with the words you put on it? Just as you can label who he is in your life, you can label the season. We need to label it well. Sometimes we can be guilty. I can be guilty in church world of of constantly preaching future. God's got something greater for you next year. God's got something coming for you. And and, and I'm, I'm not knocking that because I believe there's some truth to that. The Bible says that, that he moves us from glory to glory, and I think God's always taking us to a higher place. And I do believe God's got so, something greater for you next year, maybe even than what you're walking in right now. But if we're not careful, we get so focused on what's coming and we miss out what's here. Right? We miss out on, on what he has for us today. Psalm chapter 1 says this, says, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. And then verse 3 says, That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Why does that person yield its fruit in the proper season? Because it's in the proper place. It's planted next to the streams of water. You ever gone to a restaurant 
and, and there's a wait. And I know some of you are probably, man, if there's a wait, we're going somewhere else. That's how my dad was. We never waited for a restaurant in my whole life growing up if we could avoid it. But every once in a while, maybe you can't avoid it. And you go, and it's like, hey, it's a 45-minute wait, and they give you the pager, right? Here's a pager. We're going we're gonna to beep you. We're gonna, we'll let you know when it's time for you to come back. And so sometimes yeah, you're at a place where maybe you're at a mall or, or somewhere around where, hey, we can go walk. We can go shop. We can go do some stuff while we wait. And if you're not careful, you, you get too far away, and then your turn comes, and, and they actually page you, and you didn't even know it because they have, like, a range on those pagers. So you come back, and you go to the hostess stand, and now you're hot because now it's been an hour, and they still haven't paged us, and you told me 45 minutes, and, and you go up there to tell them something, and they're like, well, what's your name? And they look on the, oh, you're not, even, you're not even on the list. Well, I was on the list. I, I gave you my name. Like, oh, yeah, you got crossed out. We called your name a few times, and you didn't hear it. We paged you a few times. You didn't respond, so we just moved right on down the list. What a terrible, terrible experience, because now you ain't getting food at all. Now you, you just waited. You missed your opportunity. Here's what happens when you get discontent in your season. You start wandering outside of God's will. You start wandering away from the place where he has you. And when your turn comes up, when your name gets called, when it's time to move from this season into that season, you weren't where you needed to be. And you miss it. You miss your turn. You miss your opportunity. You miss your season. Why? Because we got discontent. We, we got frustrated in the season, and we started trying to do some stuff for ourselves. We started wandering out there to go see some other things that don't really matter just to kill some time, and we miss out on God pressing the button and saying, now it's your time. Now it's your turn. Now it's your season. And we miss him. It's dangerous. Touch somebody say, don't miss your turn. Don't miss your turn. Don't miss your turn. Don't miss your turn. We're almost there, guys. We're going to land this plane soon, I promise. Number four, last point of the day. Stick with me. I got one more. I got one more. I need you to get this. Stick with this. Every season has strengths that you can seize. Every season has strengths for you to seize. And I I kind of sound schizophrenic now because we started out. Point number two, we, we looked at how every season has a struggle of its own a unique struggle that you can't see from the outside. But, but the flip side is this. Every season has a struggle, but every season also has a strength. It has a strength that you can seize. When I was 18 years old, I was at uh, a youth conference. I would actually just graduated from high school. It was about a month after I graduated. And a bunch of my, my buddies and I, we, we left from North Carolina to go to Nashville for a youth conference. There was a band there that we were kind of almost groupies of. We were really good friends with, and they were worship leaders. And we wanted to go see them do this conference. So, so we saved up, and we planned. And it was kind of my, my first trip, like no, no real adults, right? <laughs> like my first 18 years going away from home, and we'll see what happens. And I was so excited for this trip. And it was a three-day conference. And, and we got there, and day two, my grandfather had a bleeding stroke in Montana that night. And uh, my parents called and told us what was going on, and, and they weren't sure what they were going to do. And then, then they said, you know what, we're, we're going to have to drive up there. You guys have to come home first thing in the morning. My brother was with me also. Um, and I was so mad. This was the last day of the conference. My parents were going to drive through Nashville. I was like, just pick us up. Somebody else can drive my car home. But they had just gotten me that car. It was a graduation gift. They're like, nobody else is driving your car. So they made us come home, and I was so upset. And so we drove and drove through the night to, to get up to Grandpa. We're trying to, to get there before he passed. Um, and we did, and we got there. And I remember my Grandpa 
laying in that hospital bed, basically in a coma. No, no, couldn't really respond, couldn't really sense what was going on in your life. And this was, this was my mother's father. This was the, the, the one man in, in my generational line who was a pastor. He pastored for many years. He was the guy who I wanted to be like, who I was pursuing the same type of life that he had. And, and I remember sitting in Grandpa's hospital room, and, and all you could see, the only really sign of life other than, like, the EKG beeping was, was his chest would heave up and down. And, and it was so difficult for him to take these breaths. And we could watch, and, and we knew Grandpa was alive because Grandpa was breathing. And uh, I had another trip coming up. I was supposed to go to the beach with my girlfriend and her family. They were taking me to the beach, and I'd never been to Myrtle Beach, and I was so pumped to go to Myrtle Beach, and I was pumped to get away with, with my girlfriend and her family and score some points with her mom and her dad and, and had this whole plan. And, and I remember when my mom and dad came to me, and they said, you're, you're not going to make it back in time for the beach. You're not going. We're staying here with Grandpa. And I was so mad that I was missing out on the beach, that, that they dared to have the audacity to keep me from this three days of whatever at Myrtle Beach. Shortly after that, we were actually, my brother and I were, were walking back from the basketball court in town. That was kind of where we hung out. We got to know some people, and, and we walked past the hospital where Grandpa was. It's a little bitty town called Plentywood, Montana. And so we went in Grandpa's hospital room just to see him for a little bit. And while we were there, the breathing stopped. And I was in grandpa's room as he breathed his last breath the whole time angry and bitter that I didn't get to finish my conference and I didn't get to go to the beach now I look back and I want to slap that little punk who, who prioritized some things that were so insignificant over something so huge how many people get to be there when their grandfather actually takes his last breath how many people get to be in the room with their, their mom and their brother and their dad and their grandmother as, as this patriarch of the family leaves this life and enters the next? What an amazing blessing that God gave me to be there with my grandfather. But I didn't seize the season. I, I, I could have been there. I could have been singing him hymns, and, man, he probably would have woke up from his coma if I started singing. Could have saved his life just because my voice is that bad. I, I could have been in there. Reading the word to him, man. I could have been reading his favorite scriptures. I could have found out what they were. I could have went to grandma and been like, what was grandpa's favorite passage? Let me go read it over. I didn't do any of that. I sat there. I made a, a punk of myself to my grandmother and to my parents. Obviously, grandpa probably had no sense of it. What did I do? I missed out on the season. I was so focused on this other season that I wanted to have that I didn't seize the sweetness of the season that God has set in front of me. How many times do we do exactly that? How many times are we so focused on this other thing that we want, this other thing we want to experience, this other thing we want to go through, this other opportunity we want to have, this other ministry we want to get, this other whatever, and we miss the sweetness of what God has placed right in front of us. And we look back and say, man, I didn't take advantage of that. Man, there was so much greater than what I even realized. I wish I would have just let myself be present. I wish I would have just embraced where I was and what God was doing. So here's what we got to do. 
Seize the strength of the season that you're in. Seize the strength of the season you're in today. It may not be the greatest season you'll ever be in. It may not be the greatest season you ever want. But it's the season God has you in today. Seize it. Look for the sweetness in the season you're in right now. Discover what is it that I can do. What is it that God has for me? What is he trying to teach me in this season right now? Seize the strength of that 57-year-old that you are. Seize the strength of that that 43-year-old who's gone through a divorce and learned so much from the experience. Seize the strength of, of that young person who's in college right now and has so many opportunities ahead of you. Seize the strength of, of the teenager who has so much energy and opportunity. Seize the strength of your season. There is strength there if you'll simply seize it. You may not have what you used to have. You may not have what you're going to have. But if you'll plant your roots down deep, God's promises, he makes all things beautiful in his time. All things, everything, every season, every time, every winter, every struggle, every challenge, every difficulty. He makes all things beautiful in his time. We have to learn to have patience to trust God's purpose. Many times we don't see it in the moment. I didn't see it in the hospital room. Today I'm so grateful that my parents loved me enough to say no. How much regret, as much regret as I have now for how I acted, how much regret would I have if I missed that moment? For some girl that we broke up months later and never talked to and have no relationship with today, how much would I hate myself? Thank God that somebody loved me enough to say, no, this is the season and you're going to be in it whether you like it or not. Sometimes we don't have that benefit. Seize the season. I want to finish with a very famous story today from Luke chapter 11. I'm not going to read all of it. We're going to read just a few verses. But it's the story of the prodigal son, and it's one of my favorite stories, not only to teach, but that God teaches me. There's so much in this story. I want to show you just a couple things as we wrap up. In Luke chapter 11, it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And there's a word that's not here in the text, but it's implied. He says, Father, give me my share of the estate now. He's asking for his inheritance up front. And, and you probably know the story fairly well that this guy gets what he wants. He gets what he asked for. God, his father gives him his inheritance, and he literally goes hog wild. Right, He blows it all, and he ends up in a field, in a pen with pigs, feeding the pigs. And, and he has this kind of epiphany moment where he comes to his senses and says, man, everybody at my father's house gets treated better than me. Why, why don't I go back there and, and, and just apply to be a servant? I can't be a son anymore, but maybe I can just work for him. And so he got what he wanted. Newsflash, sometimes the thing that you want is a whole lot more of a burden than a blessing if you get it in the wrong season. See, get this. He was supposed to have that inheritance. He didn't get the wrong thing. He just got the wrong thing at the wrong time. The inheritance was his. It was guaranteed for him. It was meant for him. It was destined for him. It was God-ordained for him. The inheritance wasn't the problem. The timing was the problem. And when he got the thing that God wanted him to have in the time that God didn't want him to have it, it ruined him. It destroyed him. 
How many of us want the thing that God wants us to have, but we don't want it in God's time, we want it in ours? This is a word for for somebody who's praying for something right now. God wants you to have it. He's just not ready to give it to you. And he says, wait, trust me. Trust my timing. It's a good thing for you to have, but, but you're not ready for it. You can't handle it right now. Trust me. I'll give it to you in the right time. But see, the, the story doesn't end with him, even though it climaxes with him. He comes home, and there's this beautiful moment, and his father sees him from a long way off, and the father runs and wraps his arm around him, and he, and he weeps, and he restores him and says, hey, we're throwing a party. We're killing the fattened calf. We're going to celebrate that my lost son has come, his son has come home, that, that he was, who was dead is now alive again. And it's this beautiful, beautiful moment, but the story doesn't actually end there. There's another part that isn't preached nearly as much. Verse 25, it says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. See, he had two sons. The older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants, and he asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back. Safe and sound. Look at the response of the older brother. I know you probably know it. Come to it with fresh eyes. Since the older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look all these years. In other words, look at all these seasons that I've served you faithfully. I served you in the summer. I served you in the winter. I got up early. I did everything that was expected to me. I did everything that you asked me to do. And he's, now he says, I can't believe that he who did none of that, is experiencing the blessing of sonship in a way that I've never experienced it. He goes on to say, he says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends, let alone a fatted calf. You never gave me a baby goat. I don't know why he wanted a goat, but that's what he said. Maybe, was, maybe the goat was like the lowest thing you could think of. And then he says, but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. How often are we so guilty of this? I want to be in someone else's seat. I want what God's doing for somebody else. I see the way they're celebrating. I see the way that he's honored. I see the way that people look at him and they're partying for him. And I deserve it more than he does. How often do we look at what's going on in somebody else's life and say, I want to be in their season. The father has an answer. He says, my son, verse 31, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So we've got one son over here who doesn't trust his father's timing. Who doesn't trust that his father knows when the blessing is best to be bestowed upon him. And so he he brings himself to ruin in pursuing something outside of father's timing. But then we have another son over here who doesn't even recognize what was his the whole time. And there may be somebody here today, I don't know who you are, but God does. Maybe somebody here today that, that you're trying to get something that God says not yet about. And you just need to step back and say, okay, God, I trust your time. I know you're going to give it to me when the time is right. So I believe for it. I thank you for it in advance. And I'm going to receive it when the time is right. That's one person. But the other person follows the example of the older son. Let me speak to you very quickly. We're almost done, I promise. The older son didn't recognize what was available to him all the time. He was waiting for a time that he was already in. Every morning he wakes up, maybe this will be the day that dad says I can have a party. 
Maybe this will be the day that dad gives me a goat. To, to go celebrate with my friends. Maybe this will be the day that God recognizes all of my hard work and, and he thanks me for it. Maybe this will be the day. But the father says this. He says, anytime, anytime is a good time for you to take the things that I've already given you and for you to rejoice in what I've already done for you. Any day is a good day. What have you been waiting for? Get your own goat. It's already yours. Everything I have, I've already given to you. You want to have a party? Let's party. You want to go? Let's go. You want to dance? Let's dance. Any day is a good day for you to rejoice in what I've already done. Somebody here, you're waiting on God to change the calendar. But God's just waiting on you to take a choice and to recognize that you're already in the season of his blessing. You're already in the season of his rejoicing. You're already in the season of his restoration. You're already in the season that you think you have to wait for. Embrace it. Seize it. Take advantage of it. You see, it's a terrible thing when we don't wait our turn and we get ahead of what God wants to do. But perhaps it's an even worse thing to be sleeping right under the Father's roof, waiting on God to give you something that he's already paid already given you, already provided you. You know, that's what I really wanted to say to you today is what we're going to title this message for the podcast. Last thing I want you to write down, simply this, take your turn. Take your turn. God's already set the beeper off for a lot of us in the season that we're in. There's a beeper in every season, I believe. And he just says, take your turn. Step right up. I'm calling your name. I have something for you today. This is a good season. This is a good time. Right now is a good time for you to rejoice in what God has for you. Right now is a good time for you to celebrate who God is. Right now is a good time for you to wake up and realize you already live in the Father's house. And he's already given you everything that you need. And he's already made available the provision for you for whatever it is that you need in your life. Right now is a good time to say this is a good season. Right now is a good season in your life. In fact, just say that. Say, right now is a good season. You don't believe it. Say it again. Right now is a good season. One more time like you mean it. Right now is a good season. This is a good season for you in Jesus' name. I'm not saying it's a perfect season. I'm not saying there's not a struggle. We already said there's a struggle in every season. But it's a good season because you got a good God. And he ordains the times and the seasons. He sets the times and the seasons. And he says for everything there is a time. For everything there is a season. I've set eternity in your heart. Open your eyes and see that I'm up to something in your life. Jesus' name, take your turn.